Hi and welcome to Create Photography. This is Daniel Sig. In today's episode, I'll actually will do a replay of one of my earlier episodes. I've been listening back to many of my early interviews and have been fortunate enough to talk to many great photographers and had a lot of great and fun conversations. One of the conversations I really enjoyed and I'd like to replay for you today is my discussion with Ted Vieira. Ted is a Las Vegas-based photographer and he's focusing on portrait photography. I really appreciate how he likes to tell a story with his photographs. And he says that the story is really the thing that makes people come back to look at the photo again. So anyway, with that little introduction, uh, let's go ahead and replay the previous episode. I hope you'll enjoy it. Ted, welcome to the show. I'm really glad that you're here today. Hey, thanks very much, Daniel. Happy to be here. So one of the topics that I'd like to focus on today is storytelling. Conveying mood, feel, and story through photography is obviously something I think you do very successfully in your photographs. And you talk about this also on your website. And I think you've talked about it on your recent podcast as well. So so here my first kind of bigger question, but um, how do you go about telling a story through your images? You know, I, I watch... I watch a lot of movies. I watch a lot of cinema. And that's really where I get most of my ideas from and inspiration. Um, because, man, fantastic storytelling, right? I mean, if you're watching a movie, mm-hmm. obviously there's there's a good, uh, strong story going on. And so I think of that um, in my photography. I try to transfer that through the photography because I do want to tell, tell a story. And, and that's one of my goals is to always try and get better. Um, cause sometimes it's hit and miss. Sometimes you get it sometimes. Yeah. Not always so successful, but, um, I do try to pre-visualize something and I, I don't, I don't try to overthink anything. I move pretty instinctually. Uh, for example, if it's like, uh, one of the, um, what I talk about as intimate portraiture, uh, shoots, mm-hmm. we're working with, um, usually a young woman and it's just the two of us in a location, um, and basically I let them be themselves and I might, I might give like small suggestions just so that like if I'm working with natural window light, um, so that they can get, you know, lit a certain way. Um, mm-hmm. but otherwise I really like them to be themselves because it's not produced, you know, it's, right. it's it happens naturally. And that's where I think I'm, I get more of a sense of story in some of those shots, uh, you know, sometimes obviously they're looking into the lens and things like that. And it, and you can tell it's a photo shoot, right? But I, mm-hmm. I really like the shots that we come away with where it doesn't look like a photo shoot. Right. It, it just looks like somebody just a little slice of life there, a little moment in this person's life. Those are my favorite kind of images. Um, I love all the stuff we come away with, but those are the ones that really stand out to me because there is more of a sense of story, something going on. Um, as far as like uh, street photography, 
uh, whatever you want to call that, when I go out with the camera <laughs> and just, you know, get urban landscapes, that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't try to um, get right up on people so that you can recognize who they are. Right. I, I used to, you know, I mean, everybody starts somewhere and, and um, change directions from here, you know, from time to time. But yeah, I used to, I used to just try and enjoy being right real close to people and taking shots and stuff like that. And it was interesting and it was good, you know, I guess training just to get comfortable out, you know, shooting in crowds and things like that. But it became less interesting to me unless you're that person or you know them or they, you know, want the photograph. Um, it wasn't as, unless they're very interesting looking, there's something very interesting about the person. And that can be kind of cool, but yeah, I'd rather get something a little bit more ambiguous so that right. the viewer could maybe put themselves in the scene, could imagine, you know, what I want to do is I want to engage the uh, the viewer. I want them to be a participant in the, mm -hmm. so that if they can look at a photograph and kind of use some of their imagination to kind of fill in the blanks and maybe even, you know, see if they can, you know, they feel what that scene is like. That's pretty cool. I think that's more engaging and it's kind of like reading a book where, you know, the, the words are there, the lines are there, the dialogue is there, but you have to use your imagination. And I think that's why people get so much more, even though people don't really read anymore. When right. you did, you know, it's like we used to, we used to say like, oh man, yeah, that movie was great, but the book was better. Yeah. You know, I mean, you would hear that a lot because I, I and I don't think it's just because it was written better. I think it's because it was more of an, a participating experience. Yep. We were interacting with the book. We had to engage with it. We had to use our mind, our imagination, um, that kind of thing. And so that's why I will even just sometimes, yeah, I'll just take urban landscape shots of, and, and there's not anybody in the scene. There's no people in the scene. But to me, I, when I try to uh, use my composition, um, again, I don't really think this stuff out. It's more... You know how after you've done something for long enough, it's just, it's like right. playing music. Yep. You, you don't want to practice in front of a crowd. You do right. all your practicing and just get it down so everything's second nature. So when you walk out on stage, it's just, you're just uh, responding to the moment and creating and you're not, you're not thinking. If I, if I think about what I'm going to do, that's the first, uh, you're going to make, you're going to uh, mess up, you know? Right. But right. so when you, you shoot enough to where your mind just kind of tries to get ahead of things and you compose a scene in your eyes and capture it on the camera. And what I try to do is like, again, transferring um, what I get from cinema, what I get from watching a lot of movies. I like to try and compose a, a shot of a scene. It does look like a movie still, you know, it does look like a, a movie set and there's nobody on it yet but they could walk up, you know, walk on at any moment, that kind of thing. Yeah. So that's how I try to get story in the, the two main kinds of photography I do is just that, just going out and I don't like to call it street because, yeah. it's, you know, so much more. Right. Um, right. But that kind of stuff. That's how I try to tell a story with that kind of stuff. And then with the uh, intimate portraiture, again, I just like to, I like to work with people who have that kind of presence. Um, you don't have to direct them too much. They kind of bring their personality to, to the uh, photo shoot. 
Um, I know a lot of photographers that are genius at uh, posing someone. Mm-hmm. But when I look at those kind of photos, and it doesn't mean that they're, um, it doesn't mean that they're a bad photo, but I can tell when somebody's been posed. And not that that's bad. It could be a work of art. You know, I mean, it really could. Mm-hmm. But for my photography to, to tell my stories, yeah, I don't want that. I don't want to see somebody go, oh, yeah, that's what Ted always has them do with their hands. Or that's, mm-hmm. what, you know, I don't <laughs> right. want it to look overly produced. Right. Yeah. That's very oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, and you just anticipated my, my question I was going to ask you about, you know, so you're not doing a lot of directing with the models. Obviously, you kind of let them and that helps you better maybe tell tell the story in a way right and it, it seems more natural I, I i feel like when i look at your your portraiture that's definitely the case yeah yeah i i just i, I might give like minor suggestions and just kind of maybe give like an idea or a theme or something like that but then let them take it from there mm-hmm. i just i really love those kind of shots where it does it looks more natural and and uh because, like I said, with, with these young women and stuff, they're they're in a lot of times they're not wearing a lot of clothes, right? And that can be kind of a real uncomfortable situation. And so, I feel like it's my job to help them feel secure, comfortable, right. and relaxed. And the more I can do that, the more they're going to be able to, you know, bring what they bring. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Do you, how long, how much time do you usually take for, for, for some of your shoots? I mean, is it, is it usually, is it like a half day thing or do you, is it kind of depends or? Um, um it, it, it's, it's usually, uh, again, I don't, I don't do a lot of production and lately okay. the last few shoots I've been doing with natural window light. Okay. So there hasn't even been any kind of, um, you know, the three light setup or anything like that. Um, so yeah, usually when, um, from start to finish, as soon as they come in the door, I usually like to talk for maybe like a half hour or so, just kind of, you know, just kind of catch up, see what they've been doing, talk about things, joke around, stuff like that. And then we'll start, uh, start to shoot. And generally it's about a two hour window that we'll just shoot for a couple hours, maybe do a, a change, you know, wardrobe change, uh, try some different things. And yeah, it usually works out to me maybe two to probably three hours at the most Mm -hmm. i used to i used to do these photo shoots back when i first started working with models man we would shoot for like four or five hours sometimes Mm -hmm. but after a while you know people just kind of you lose the buzz you kind of you kind of just the energy you know you've only got so much and it's hard being in front of a lens right that had that kind of that kind of energy for i figure two hours is it's all right 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 yeah so, so when we think about, you know, maybe going back to to your other, well, again, we don't want to call it street photography, but maybe the, <laughs> yeah, when, yeah, when we go outside, <laughs> because I, I love doing that too. And I do some architecture too and stuff like that. But, you know, I don't oh, you're know. You're a great that's... photographer, man. I was oh, oh, checking oh, out your work. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Beautiful man. photography. Oh, yeah. oh, I appreciate it. Oh, that's nice of you to say. Um, so, um and I wasn't fishing for compliments, by the way. <laughs> no, man. No, I, I um, like, projects but, and things like that. Beautiful stuff. Oh, man. thanks, man. So, yeah, I am. Um, so when, you know, so, but when you go out, you know, and you, you shoot on the streets, let's say it's in Vegas or Portland or something like that. And, you know, you, you're thinking about 
these stories. So how much then is, you know, is in the moment because you, when we go back to your visualization, I think you called it even intuitive visualization, which I thought was a really cool expression because I also feel like there's a lot of confusion about visualization. Um, you know, that people think like, it means like you're thinking everything through, you know, a month ago, a month before <laughs> right, the yeah. shoot, right? Versus yeah. it can be very quick in the moment on the street, in my opinion. But I, I'm really curious what your thoughts are on that and when, you know, how you go about that on, on the streets. <laughs> um, it's kind of like having a conversation with, I mean, this sounds kind of cheesy, mm -hmm. but it's kind of like having a conversation with your location to where you see something and you just respond to it. Just like it would, you ask me a question and I'll just answer it. I won't overthink it or anything like that. You just kind of respond to, um, you know, uh, like you did. I, I was starting to listen to one of your episodes on, on mindfulness. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that that's such a, such a strong tool to, in anything in life, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, to approach mm -hmm. with mindfulness, especially art, you know, especially right. photography, because you're open, you're aware of what's right in front of you. You, you know, if, if you're not being mindful, I don't try, I try not to listen to music. And I mean, every once in a while, I'll put my earbuds in or something like that and, and see how that kind of shapes my <laughs> event that night. Mm -hmm. But most of them, I just try and I want to stay just aware of things around me and, and kind of, you know, be in the moment, man. So mm -hmm. then, um, because sometimes there, you know, you can go out and you go to the same locations and stuff and you start to get a little bit burnout with your city and, and you right. think, oh man, I've shot everything I could shoot here, but you know, that's not true. You know, right. you know there's still stuff out there. It's just that you're not seeing it. So right. with mindfulness and just being aware, um, not trying to, I, again, I'm, I'm not good at overthinking. Mm -hmm. it, doesn't really, it doesn't really work for me. For me, I just kind of take what's there i take what's there in the moment if i can just be open to it and and let it show itself <laughs> to me mm -hmm. not trying mm -hmm. to sound too cheesy no 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 but not at all just to let, to let yeah let the photo come to me you know mm -hmm. because it's there it wants to be seen it wants to be taken let me be you know let me see it. Just let me be right. aware so that I can. And the visualization thing, again, it's not, I don't know if I line this up so that the sun's hitting there and get a little star. And, you know, I don't think that way. I, I really don't think, man. Mm -hmm. I don't think when I'm uh, doing photography too much. I mean, yeah, you know, you want to be aware of the background, be, yeah. And right. sometimes, sometimes, like, I will be, like, when I'm working with uh, these women, I will be so focused. The, the face and the eyes are everything to me. Right. And sometimes, man, I will be so focused on their face and their eyes that, yeah, I won't see something that's hanging out in the background or something like that. And so sometimes I'm too, I am too just drawn into something that I am focused on. But most mm -hmm. of the time I just kind of want to, yeah, if I see, if I see a scene, does it look like a photo to me? And then take yeah. the shot. Got it. And so what about, and I'm, I, I still keep asking also about the streets a little bit. Um, you know, there's this, some people talk about the, 
the fisherman versus the hunter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've probably heard that. It's kind of a it's an interesting analogy, I guess, or metaphor. Oh no, that's great, so, man. How do you when you go out? Because I feel like for me personally, I'm kind of probably a little bit of both. But I, it, you know, it, anyway, I'm really curious what what you're thinking about this, and you know, are you are you one or the other, and how does that play into? How, Unfortunately, how I would say that um uh i'm a i'm more of a hunter okay and i say unfortunately because sometimes i'll get i'll go out at night and i'll walk around for a couple hours and i'll get back to the car and i'll think man you walk too much (laughs) you know it's like you walk too much there's probably a lot of stuff i missed because i'm i'm moving right um but i part of the reason i go out too i I want to get some fresh air i want to walk you know i want to have some exercise and things like that so that gets kind of thrown in the mix, but I'll get, yeah, I will get back to the car often and just say, dude, you walk too much, man. Just hang right. out someplace, let some things happen. And that's usually when I'll get some better photos. Um, especially if you do want to photograph people, cause mm-hmm. then you're kind of waiting you can wait for something to happen. Wait for the, right. that interesting cat to walk into the, you know, the frame. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, man, um, by nature, I just tend to hunt more. Okay. Oh, that's yourself. Cool. Yeah, I think I, I think a little bit of both. I, I, I think um yeah, I, I walk around and look for things and then I also sometimes stay put and kind of wait for things to happen, but yeah. <laughs> sometimes I lose patience. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. It's uh, yeah. I'm not but uh, right, right. That's sometimes a problem <laughs> for me too. But um oh, that's a little bit how do you think focal length plays into telling a story and conveying a mood feel? You know, the, sure. the folk. Yeah. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah. How I look at it, like, I own uh, three lenses that I use. And, and I primarily like the 50 is probably my favorite focal length. If I could only have one, one focal length for the rest of my life. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, what I use the 54 pretty much everything but the way i think about it is um the 35 it's a little bit better storytelling lens i think because it brings in more context Mm -hmm. but the 50 is when you want to have that kind of you know yeah you're you're telling that story you're giving everybody everything but then you want to you want to focus just on on the hero the subject and that's where the 50 comes in um, I, I like the intimacy of a 50 millimeter mm-hmm. and I do like, yeah, I like the encompassing, uh, you know, and I know a lot of people shoot a lot wider than the 35, uh, for me, 35 is about as wide as I want to go. So I'll, if I, if I don't have any plan on what I want to shoot, I'll probably put a 35 on if I go out because you can do anything with the 35. Right. 50 right. can be a little bit tight for some things. That's true. But the, my photographs that I like the most, it, yeah, it has that intimacy that I get from the 50. And I do have a 90, but I wouldn't recommend it for, well, I don't know, man. Whatever works for, you know, whoever's using it. But, um, yeah, so I've got a uh, 90 that, yeah, I hardly use at all. 50 that I use as much as I can. And the 35, if I, if I have, I just want to go out for a walk and, Got it. You know, who knows what's going to happen that kind of thing. right are you and are you usually then when you go out do you just take one lens and, and you don't have to worry about switching them out or anything like that or do you bring other lenses too 
Um, typically, man, I'll just not even grab a bag or anything like that. I'll just grab or grab the camera with with uh, whatever lens is on it, and I'll mm-hmm. just, that's going to be it. Oh, cool. I'll, I'll carry some like extra film with me. Yeah, but um, yeah, you know what? I went to Portland a couple of years ago, and I mm-hmm. took a digital body and a film body. It was the worst decision I ever made because <laughs> man, I'm thinking like, should I get this on digital just to make sure? Right. I'm like, no, well, I, I would, I'd, I'd switch back and forth on one nightly walk, you know? And then I didn't enjoy that. I would mm-hmm. rather just take in one film body, uh, maybe a couple different lenses. Um, just since I was going to, I wasn't going to be home. Um, but yeah, typically if it's a, I'm going to go out for the night and just shoot. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just grab one body and one lens. Cool. I know we share common love for film, so so I guess I have to ask a little bit about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, how is the medium film helping you telling the story and you know maybe setting the mood? Oh man, I didn't start shooting film until about maybe almost five years ago, um, and I wish I would have started a lot sooner. When I first started shooting with film, I thought, you know what, I'll probably maybe shoot one or two rolls a month and just it'll be something different, you know? Oh, man, I started shooting film and I was hooked instantly. <laughs> and it just, I loved it so much. Um, and the cameras that I shoot with are completely manual. There's there's no auto anything. And I think that's, I mean, A, yeah, I do like the look of film. I mean, people can work digital images until they kind of have similar, you know, mm-hmm. qualities. But it's so cool when it just comes, you know, when you scan <laughs> the negatives in and it already looks great. You right. Know? It just it right. has that look. For for years, I would shoot black and white digital stuff and try to edit it to, to match that those memories I had of when I was a kid and saw a black and white film. And I just wasn't getting it. I liked the photos because I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. But then once I started shooting with film and I saw, especially with Acros, so black and white uh, film, boy, right. it's just, it, that is a beautiful film. It's, mm-hmm. it's gorgeous tones and all that's great. But you know what I, what I really love is the fact that there is no auto anything that mm-hmm. I kind of put it like to the analogy of like, if you have a sports car that has a manual transmission, mm-hmm. And you actually remember those days mm-hmm. <laughs> you actually oh, yeah. had to ship <laughs> manually, you know, ship gears. Yep. And yeah, that's, that's something else that you have to do. And a lot of people would look at that as, wow, that's inconvenient. You know, that's a drag, but no, man, when you were driving a manual shift, you just felt part of the car. You felt like you were part of the experience. You felt more engaged. You were more part of the process. It was fun. You know, that's the same way I look at film from loading the film to advancing the film, you know, manually focusing, taking the shot and staying in the moment. You're not looking at the back of the camera. You're not second guessing yourself. I've end up taking better pictures on film mm-hmm. because I have more confidence. Mm-hmm. If I take it digitally, yeah, I'm a human being, man. I'm going to go ahead and check. I'll tell you, I'm going to check out of the back of the camera and see right. if, oh, could I have done that a little bit better? Could I, <laughs> did I leave something out? Did I frame it right? You know, I, all that second guessing kind of happens then. Mm-hmm. Or with film, man, no, you just take it, you frame it, you take the shot, and you you stay in the moment, or you move on to your next thing. It's cool. It's it is liberating in some ways. Mm-hmm. 
um, with digital. Yeah, I'll take a digital camera out sometimes and I will shoot with it. Um, remember the first time I got, uh, I went out, I picked up a, a used Leica M262 digital body mm-hmm. and I went out and I thought, you know what? I'm not even gonna look at the back of the screen. Cause I was so, I'd just become so in love with the whole film shooting experience. I said, I want to try kind of transfer that. And so I did, I shot for about an hour or so without looking at the back of the screen. And then I went and, uh, kind of like a salad <laughs> or something like that. And I'm, so I'm looking now I'm looking at the images and I'm just blown away at how good this stuff looks. But, but the only reason why I liked that outing was because I didn't look while I was shooting. Right. So I guess I'm, I'm kind of all over the map here, but right. What, what I really love about film is this, it makes me feel more, if I get a good shot, it's because of me. It's not because of the computer. Mm-hmm. And so, and it does make me focus more. It does make me think more about or feel more about what I'm uh, photographing. Right. Um, Cause you're, you know, you're, it's, you can't just rattle off a bunch of shots. Well, I guess you right. could, but you don't. Like, right. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So it just makes right. me, it, you know, that whole thing about you know, slowing down, blah, 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 you know, mm-hmm. Take, mm-hmm. being more in the moment, thinking more or, or feeling more mm-hmm. about what you're photographing. Right. Because right. you're just going to take that shot. Maybe, maybe take two or three shots if it's something that's really important to you. And then you just, you know, you got it. Right. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That. Very, very nice. Thank you. Thank you. That I, I totally agree with you. I think that all, all you said, I think it for me kind of very similar. And I, I saw you were shooting some one, uh, 120 too. Yeah, I do some 120 as well. Yeah, it's, it's a little, uh, yeah, as you know, it's a little bigger. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. not, uh, <laughs> that's cool, but it, but it's fun. I mean, they, they do have there's a there's a look to it i always i have my doubts that yeah. that's really the case but there's some of the some of the shots have that 3d oh man i mentioned to it. it yeah yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's it's pretty cool yeah so another question <laughs> sure. um so so you i think you mostly photograph black and white i know you do some color but can you also maybe kind of talk about that a little bit and what you know what what attracts you to to that the black and white format yeah you know what i i I love black and white i always have whether i was shooting digital or film um for me i heard somebody i don't know if it was helmet newton but somebody said something one time it was a quote it said everything looks good in black and white (laughs) and some things look good in color you know, it's a, it's a, kind of like I feel the same way. I can't remember who said that, but wh- mm. whoever said it, I feel the same way. Everything, mm. I love the way, you know what? Because it takes you out of reality because obviously what we see is is in color with our eyes. The black and white kind of takes you out of reality and that kind of helps tell a story a little bit better because it kind of removes you from anything that's normal. And when, and I love, I love again getting back to cinema i love film noir mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i love that dramatic <laughs> contrast uh, that selective lighting i love to let my shadows disappear you know I, I don't worry about shadow detail actually you know what i don't even really like shadow detail maybe <laughs> a little bit i mean i don't mm-hmm. want to have this big black smear look like a big ink smear or something but yeah i'm not i'm not one of those kind of guys that that um 
I mean, yeah, the way you can pull shadow detail in um, and re retrieve it and save it, especially with digital, that's mm -hmm. amazing. But that's not the kind of stuff that I want to, I want to put up there that's very, uh, it's very selective in the image. There's, you're not, you, the eye is very clear on what it should be looking at. And I love how black and white does that because there's no color that's pulling your eye this way or that way. But here's the weird thing, <laughs> man, <laughs> is that I, um, I just, I, uh, a friend of mine had sent me a film camera. He, he has an antiques gallery up in Carson City. And he sent me a box of old cameras that were sitting around the antique store. And one of them was a Nikkor mat, a 35 millimeter. And that's a heavy 35 mm -hmm. millimeter camera. But it had half a roll of film still left in it. Hmm. And so somebody had taken the first half of the shots. So I thought, well, this will be cool. I don't know if it's color. The ISO thing is set to 400. So, hmm. you know, I, I knew how to like kind of set up my exposure. And I went around and, and uh, finished up the roll. And I thought, you know what, man, I don't know how to develop color film. I develop all my black and white stuff here at home, but I've never, I never shot color film. So I never had to, you know, learn to do C41 or anything. Right. But I did happen to have some C41 chemicals here um, because I was watching uh, Michael, uh, Michael Rasso, uh, Rasso from oh, yeah. the film, film photography, photography project. project. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was saying how easy it was. To develop color films so i go hmm. well cool man i'm going to use this opportunity to see what's on this film because i popped it out of the camera and it was a roll of color film and so i i used that opportunity i developed the film uh, my crash course in in c41 mm -hmm. and and i kind of cooked it <laughs> because mm -hmm. i i just oh. I wasn't paying attention and i just the water was way too hot oh oh yeah <laughs> um so, so I, I couldn't really see much of what was shot by the original owner or the person mm. who shot the first half of the roll. I could see some of my images they came through, but yeah, it was messed up. So I watched mm. a couple more YouTube videos and, and um, saw where I was missing that, you know, yeah, you mix the, the chemicals at one temperature, but then you bring them down to develop the film. Right. right. <laughs> and so that was, that was one of my little <laughs> moments there learning times. Right. <laughs> so, but, but then I, but then I kind of had a vengeance because, oh, I messed that up. And so I had a roll, a couple rolls of Ektar and I went out or I just went around the house shooting some different things around the house with a roll of Ektar, developed that. It came out beautiful. You know, it was great. Oh, and, cool. stuff. and I love with Ektar, I was getting, I had some um, different light sources and things like that. So I had, it, I don't know if it's like white balance issues because I don't know enough about color film yet. Right. Um, but, it, but I loved it. I loved these <laughs> color casts of right. the magentas and the blues and the greens that most photographers would probably look at that and just go, yeah, you need to practice. <laughs> right. But right. I love it. I love that because again, it gets away from the reality. It does right. something different and the colors are so beautiful and saturated. And so I took uh, another roll of Ektar out and went down to, you know, downtown here in Vegas, lots of neon and um, boy, just beautiful. I could shoot neon all day on, or all night on color and it, and it's kind of got me excited about shooting color now i still oh, cool. you know black and white will always be my go-to um look that i want right. but i am having fun because it is something different i am having fun shooting color film now color digital doesn't really excite me because it's too perfect mm -hmm. it's too sharp it's too everything it's, it's like taking a xerox copy of what was in front of me i mean right. i know you can play with it in lightroom and that's you know, that's what we do. 
but the film, the color film, it's got, um, I don't know if that's because I was messed up with the white balance and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but that with those color casts that were kind of washing over things. Yeah. It reminded cool. me of old color film look, you know, right. and that's, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge nostalgic person that I love the middle of the 20th century in the forties, fifties, you know, sixties. Right. I love uh, the photography that was happening back then and the look right. of the photos. And so, yeah, whether I'm shooting black and white or color, now that I know how to develop both, yeah, I'll probably start shooting more color now. Um, not as much, but you'll see it in the mix more often. Oh, cool. Oh, that's yeah. cool. That, yeah. that, then, because I, that was actually something I was going to ask you about more towards the end, but actually I want to get to it right now since we're talking about color. And so we got to talk about Saul Lighter a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Because I know you love him too. And I, I do too. And I'll do a little shameless plug. So I did actually record an episode about him, oh, nice. which I call The Beauty of Simple Things, which is something I, I like to do in my photography too. And I, I think his stuff is just amazing and very painterly. And I think yeah. he, he used a lot of expired Kodachrome film as far as I understand it um, as well but yeah yeah so anyway curious about what what inspired what, what inspired you about him and his photography um, because I know you you talked about him in the past as well and um, yeah, yeah yeah you know I I, um, I found out about him through uh, Ted Forbes channel mm-hmm. where he's kind of got a, a playlist of where he do these kind of short biopics on you know, uh, the masters of the 20th yep. century photography. And, um, so I, I checked out Saul and, and the stuff that, uh, Ted was showing in his video. I was like, wow, I want to go see more of this guy's work. So I went to Pinterest and, and, you know, started looking at everything I could find on this guy. I ended up ordering that, um, his, uh, early black and white set, Mm-hmm. And then I got the early color. I, again, the black and white's a no-brainer. I, I'm already drawn to that. Right. But the way he shot color, man, it inspired me. And this mm-hmm. was a while back, so I didn't get to it until now. Right. But um, yeah, his color, like you said, very painterly, and the layers, um, mm-hmm. just beautiful stuff. And the other thing that I really like about Saul, yeah, the color, the painterly thing, the layers, just beautiful. Um, but then the black and white of more of the intimate shots with these young ladies. Mm-hmm. Again, that's I like that's where I get a lot of my inspiration from that form, because it doesn't look like a photo shoot, you know. Right. It doesn't right. look anything um, set up. You can look and they'd be in a bedroom where they just had a bed on the floor and like you know records and books thrown everywhere. Right. You know, so <laughs> it wasn't staged. It was, unless that's what they were looking for. Right. It was just, it, I felt like I was there. And right. that's why I love that kind of more, uh, has a little more candor to it because it does, it feels like I could, I can feel that image more than I could feel something that was incredibly, even just expertly, you know, posed and processed and set up and staged and mm-hmm. produced all that work that goes into a shot like that. And these people are geniuses that, that come up with this stuff, but then you, you got the saw lighters, you know, mm-hmm. just can grab that moment. Right. And to me, I will always feel that I feel that image much more than anything that, that has 20 different light <laughs> setups, right. you know, um, that's where like, 
like landscapes and I'm not a landscape photographer at all. Really. I'll, I'll shoot some sometimes just because I've got a friend who loves to do landscapes. So I'll go out with him and, and just shoot some. I'm terrible at it though. <laughs> um, but when I'm looking at other people's landscapes who are really good, the less processing mm-hmm. in the more, the more natural where I can, I can, man, I can feel what it feels like to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, then you have some people who will just <laughs> really overwork that photo yeah and it might just be stunning and eye-catching and just really pop but it's going to be a little little too much fantasy for me i Mm. i can't feel it right yeah Yeah. i i I, I I like saw stuff so much because it just has that feel to it especially as black and white stuff and then the color stuff it's so artistic right yeah beautiful stuff yeah, really beautiful. It's it's really amazing, and I I still I, I have some of his books, but I want to learn more about him too. And I, I don't have his black and white. Well, I've seen a lot of his black and white work, but I have I don't have his books yet in black and white. So I probably you yeah. got one of his early ones, right? Yeah, um, um, there's a there's a the early black and white. It's a two volume set. One's called oh, nice. uh, Interiors, and one's called Exteriors. Um, the Interiors is more of like where he's shooting like people and things like that and then the exteriors is his his kind of street work and stuff like that oh. um and then the early colors are just a fantastic companion to those it shows his right. other side and then he's got another book um if you do like the intimate portraiture that he did he's got another book that's called in my room mm-hmm. and that's all it is hmm. it's some there's some crossover right um, right yeah you, yeah like you won't be unhappy <laughs> with right right because he did some he did some commercial photography as well, right? And some some fashion actually. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's yeah. how he paid the bills. And yes. You know what? Yeah. I've never seen any of that, not to my knowledge. Right. Right. Another one other topic I want to discuss, um, and then a couple more questions. But so that's kind of the topic of projects. Um, something I I think is so I personally love photography projects, and I I think they're probably pretty important tools for us photographers um i it's also something i'll, I'll talk about in, in in the podcast as well so so my first question to you are you working on any projects at the moment um i've got a couple things i'm thinking about um okay. i i did take it a a digital camera out to shoot um where my uh, friend garrett knows about another place out in the desert here where there's just all these decaying and rusting out old vehicles and stuff. Oh yeah, that's beautiful. so cool. Yeah, um, yeah and you get those. Remember, like the old colors that used to mm-hmm. be on cars, like the kind of weird blues and green right. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was out there and I was I was uh, photographing that with my digital camera. I had the preview set to black and white, and I would planned on hey, it's gonna be some cool old stuff. I'll go home and you know I'll process it all black and white, and it'll be you know very nostalgic looking and very cool, right? Well, I got home and I loaded all of the uh, files into Lightroom and I'm going through and I'm, I'm, I I got kind of mesmerized by these old colors, Hmm. you know, from that. And and so I'm looking at all the, the rust is just really vibrant orange red, you know, on some of these cars and just the sun was just bouncing right off it. Hmm. And I ended up processing, I think all but one of those photos I took digitally in color which is mm. in- incredibly unusual for me, mm-hmm. uh, but I couldn't, it's like, it's like one of those situations where, yeah, you can't deny the color. 
that's, right. that's happening here. And so I almost thought, well, you know what? Um, maybe I'll put together like a short little zine, you know, with these, with these color images. Oh, yeah. And um, cause I started printing with um, mag, mag cloud. Is that what they're called? So it's like, it's like a, yep. another company of a, from blurb. Right. Right. And yeah, man, um, I started doing small books, booklets, zines um, towards the end of last year. And I got kind of obsessed with that um, <laughs> because it it gave your pho- photography, you know, purpose. It's it's going somewhere. It's not just, oh, yeah, that's a cool shot. That's right. a cool shot. And I realized that the kind of photography, uh, kind of photos that I make are probably more uh, like ones that would make a good collection in, mm-hmm. in a nice little small book, something like that, right. rather than something that you're going to see on a print above somebody's couch in their home or anything like that. Right. So, so yeah, for projects, man, I want to, I want to shoot everything within my, uh, with the mindset that this is going to be in a book, mm-hmm. you know, this is, this is going to be a collection for this, like, like photographing, um, well, like right, those old cars. I thought, yeah, right. okay, man, just a couple dozen uh, shots. Maybe I'll, I'll, go through them and edit it down and put together a small zine of this season oh, yeah. color, you know, vehicles. But then I started shooting with color film and I threw that idea <laughs> out the window because yeah. now I love the color film so much more. Right. <laughs> um, so now I'm thinking about just maybe like, uh, you know, this one isn't really original, but I was, I'm just really excited about it right now. Just a collection of a small book of, of neon right. scenes that are lit that just photograph beautifully at night in color hmm. um that kind of thing right so yeah projects cool. i i don't really like to shoot without one anymore mm-hmm. um i'm not that interested in, in just taking random photographs i mean mm-hmm. i will because we're photographers and we want to shoot you know more often than if we don't have a project but the project drives me more it excites me um I'm a little more passionate about those because you're doing something. You, you've got an end point that you're going to, you know, put everything towards. So I'm more excited. I'm more excited. Right. And man, if you're not excited, <laughs> you know, nothing's as fun. And right. you've got that passion, man, you just like, you can't wait to put this stuff together. Right. I love that right. kind of thing. If I don't have that, yeah, I'm just not that motivated. Oh. So, so if I understand that correctly, you might go out, with your medium format camera on color film to the desert and shoot those cars with that yeah. possibly <laughs> something like that right <laughs> yeah you know um i i am looking forward to doing some some medium format um color um and you know what medium format is so beautiful the funny thing i um i had planned i, I picked up uh an uh a me a c330 mm-hmm. um twin lens reflex tlr yeah mm-hmm. so much fun to shoot such a different shooting experience with the waist finder right uh, right waist finder waist level waist level finder, uh, yeah. yes right. waist finder. <laughs> um so I, I mean such a fun ex- oh and that glass right looking down through that is so beautiful um and then i picked up an rb67 because i thought oh this is cool because i, I kind of like more of a rectangular um shape of the image so i got an rb67 because how cool is that man you can just rotate the back and get you know a vertical shot or a horizontal shot and so i thought yeah i'm going to do a lot of portraiture with medium format that was like my plan and then i just 
I never, I, I rarely would pick it up, you know, 35 millimeter. It just gives me more of the look that I want. It's not as good. It's not as beautiful as, as 120 it is, as 120 is, but it's just got the look that kind of resonates um, more with what I'm looking for. Right, I like right. things that aren't too perfect or not too pretty. I like stuff mm-hmm. that's kind of got some edge to it and a little, a little gritty maybe. Um, and even with Ektar, it's, it's a hundred speed film. I, I pushed it to 400. That's mm. clean. And it was almost, I wasn't used to seeing that clean of an, of a photograph. Um, it almost looked a little digital to me. It right. was the colors though that really wowed me how cool the colors right. looked and stuff. But yeah, so 120, even though it looks the man, yeah, those negatives are just amazing. Right. I'm more drawn to that, that 35. 35 right? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I totally get it. Well, you're right. And the grain, you know, you, the, the grain in, in these fine grained films in 120, you, you may not see it. Yeah. Some of the color, right? You, you still see, you get the film look, I think. I mean, it renders the highlights more like film and stuff like that but uh, you're right the, you don't see the it's not the same for sure <laughs> yeah but I, I, it would be fun though to, to right. do, do uh, um, yeah like a nice nice photo shoot with, right. uh, with some 120 color man that would be beautiful would be cool project so, so that'll happen some at some point yeah, <laughs> yeah. so so I do have a question actually I asked some of my Instagram people um as well and they so i got one question for you from them so and it relates to the magazines or the scenes and they, they said so ted loves making magazines how does he go about editing and sequencing it's kind of a good question yeah um well for example uh, the first book the first zine um i ever put together was a collection it, it's another location here in, in southern nevada where there's again just these decaying rusting out uh, vehicles and they've even got it set up so that the buildings around them the surrounding areas look like you know it doesn't look out of place it looks like it all goes together they've got huge you know texaco signs and um mm. you know a lot of old advertisements from oil companies and stuff like oh, yeah. that and mm-hmm. it, it all goes together so if you feel like you just walked back into time <laughs> you know so it's a cool locate location to shoot so I, I, that was the first book that I put together was just all the shots of all these old decaying vehicles. And so what I did is I, I went through and um, as far as sequencing, I would divide it up into sections. I think one, one uh, first I'd just do a kind of general overview introduction. And then I started with, um, I think the section was called curves and chrome or something like that hmm. and then i would focus on the vehicles that had a lot of comb had those curves just beautiful right and then i made a section just for trucks i said something about the trucks the ones that did the work you know and i showed all these old trucks so i kind of would just make up sections of categories and put that together and 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 try to not put too much of the same thing you know into the book mm-hmm. into the zine oh um, yeah <laughs> and and then and I don't put too much text in, you know, okay. maybe like a little bit from at the beginning of a new section, I might put like the title of the section and then maybe a little bit of subtext, but, and then the, the rest of the, uh, rest of the book is just images. And I just do one image on the, uh, on the right page. So the left page is completely blank that way. I, cause I tried a few different, a uh, few different test runs 
And at first I was putting an image on every page, right? So it'd be facing images. And unless those images had something to do with one another, I didn't really like it that much. And I, you know what? I found out I was going through the book faster hmm. if I put uh, an image on every page. I wouldn't stop and look as much. Or if I put just a single image on the on the right side, yeah, man, I would stop and I would take I would take more of that image in before hmm. flipping to the next page. So I, you know, everybody does it a little bit differently, but that's kind of the way that, that I kind of just decided I've done it that way ever since. Um, but I can't recommend it enough, you know, cause especially with, um, mag cloud or, or blurb or mm-hmm. any companies like that, where it's print on demand and you're not having to shell out, you know, <laughs> your second mortgage or anything like that to right. finance a book project. You can make it incredibly inexpensive. It's a lot of fun, man. And to see mm-hmm. your stuff, you know, in print in, in a small zine or book, it's, it's uh, very rewarding. Right. And it does give you that kind of buzz, that kind of excitement to want to move on to the next project. Right. And of course you can be really in depth. You can be as in depth as you want to. You can, you know, just make it quick and, and easy. It's, it's, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's got their thing they can do. But the cool thing is it's so much easier to do now. What I usually do too, is I, I use um, like uh, mag cloud offers different, um, Templates for different uh, different apps, like you could do it in Photoshop or hmm. InDesign is probably the best because it's such a, a powerful layout tool. Right. But I just use their Pages uh, for Mac hmm. um, template. Oh, the Pages. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I just downloaded yep. the, the the template, uh, opened it up in Pages. In Lightroom, I I turn my screen brightness down to about fifty percent. Right. I'm just on iMac here. Mm-hmm. I turned my screen brightness down to about 50% and made any kind of tweaks to the images that would make them look good at that brightness. And then I saved them at um, full size at 72 DPI and, and just saved them at full size. I wouldn't change mm-hmm. the size of the, the original image. And then I would just put those in folders and take those up and then start dragging them. And you just drag and drop them. Right. And see the pages. Uh, template mm-hmm. you can start to put together stuff so quick because i'd never really even used pages before but it's a pretty easy learning curve so mm-hmm. i just started just dragging and dropping the images go to the next page drag and drop put a little bit of text in you know and put together like i think their minimum uh page count that you can do is like 24 so just man, i would just recommend have them put together 24 page don't don't worry about writing the whole story yet don't do the whole thing Say you're going to put right. together, maybe it might turn out to be about 75, 80 pages, something like that. Yeah, don't try to do it all in the first run. <laughs> put together like first 24 pages, uh, upload the file, wait for it in the mail, and see if, okay, cool, now I know I'm going to need to do this. You know, I'm going to, um, yeah, I'm going to want to tweak these images this way and, and the layout thing. Like I would try different kinds of layouts and see, just kind of play around with it. You can start to add mm-hmm. some graphic design into it and things like that. But yeah, man, um, I can't mm-hmm. recommend it enough. If have, have you put together a book yet? Yeah, I've done um, a couple things. So I, I used to do a little, I, I still do a little bit of commercial photography on the site. So for that one, instead of the traditional, you know, portfolio book, I just did a magazine um, with my, you know, kind of for the, 
the yeah. more artsy commercial stuff. And then I did, the other thing I did is just a small little, you know, one of those really tiny zines and I, okay. that you can bring along because it actually came in handy in Minneapolis. I'm in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Um, I got, st you know, sometimes when you do street photography and I, I shoot, you know, I was photographing buildings, I got stopped <laughs> oh. and, you know, security came out and said, hey, what are you doing? I had my, my Hasselblad, you know, and there were, and yeah. unfortunate, I didn't have a, I had my ID, but I didn't have a business card. So I, I showed them my little zine and said, you know, this is kind of the work I'm doing. And they were cool with that. So that was kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, and I'm all for printing. I, I, I often print my photographs, just we have a pretty, pretty good, um, uh, it's called Pro DPI here in Minneapolis. They're, they're a professional print shop. And so I send them some of my, you know, also the, the, the 120 work. And it's really fun to, to just have it, you know, actually see it, you know, in your hands. Yeah. And I love doing that. Um, I want to yeah, definitely, and you inspired me too, to do more of that. Oh, kind of the project work um that's why i wanted to talk to you about that too because i think um as i mentioned i have a whole episode on projects where i want to go a little deeper too because i feel like and you're so focused on the storytelling part i did a project 365 you know um, oh, but yeah. i never printed it but what see in hindsight what what i now i criticize myself because the, the only limitation i gave myself was every day you know produce that image every day which is pretty hard to do i mean it's a very challenging project but i didn't have a story arc over the whole thing and so i felt like but i was working in series a lot which was which i love to do and i, I just do naturally you know i had a series in blue monochromes and then yellows and you know stuff so, yeah. so that's cool yeah. but it's still cool creatively but i feel like you know that's why i like the way you do the projects, I think that's really cool. There's a concise kind of a story around them. And, you know, um, it's like the the prime example, of course, is the Americans write the book by... Um, oh, right. Or by the, um, I have Robert Frank, yeah. Yeah, by Ro Robert Frank. And, you know, because I'm Swiss, so I'm, I'm plugging that yeah. a little bit because he's originally from Switzerland. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Great but, book, um, yeah. I mean, that guy... So, so what's so cool about that book um you know he he was on the road for i think one and a half years i mean that was and he yeah. shot so many i think 27 i forgot how many roles but it's uh, anyway so wow. it's it's pretty cool what and you know that book really i think changed photography too and that's i mean you can call it a project it's obviously a major project but that's why i think projects are so cool because they can end up right in a book so but yeah, and I, I just, for me, the best part of it, man, I do love the print. I do love the printing of the books and things like that. That is that tactile experience again, you know. Mm -hmm. It all comes down to that. But right. the main thing that I really, boy, I thrive on is just the energy, the excitement mm -hmm. of, the, of the purpose of the project. Right. It gives, it, man, it gives me a whole different uh, <laughs> perspective on life. When I'm involved right. in a project, I'm excited. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm projects, I'm just kind of thinking, man, what's my next project? What's the next? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I definitely, I, and I have these informal ones, like the architecture is for me a little, you know, it's kind of an ongoing one, but I, yeah. I, I like the, sometimes it's cool to have them a little more 
concise and kind of maybe formalized. But um, anyway, so another thing I think we have in common is love for jazz. Um, I, I know I play the guitar, you play the guitar, you're probably the much better jazz player, um, but I, I'm just dabbling in jazz. I play nice. some other stuff. But um, so I'm kind of curious, do you have time to play these days? Do you play with others? Um, what are you listening to? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I went through a phase... This is probably a longer story than you want. No, no, that's cool. <laughs> um, when I, because I used to play professionally. Oh, for, that's what I, that's what landed me in Vegas because this was still oh, very cool. I could still work full time. Um, but then when I once I when I got out of playing full time, man, that's actually it's about twelve years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. Um, man, I, I went through a phase where I kind of. St- stopped listening to music and jazz uh completely because here's the thing i was was starting a new business where i was doing photography but it was like product stuff and web design and and content creation and stuff like that and i knew if i even listened to jazz i would want to (laughs) play and i would and i would be the kind of person that i'd pick up my guitar and i would play like for four hours without even you know realizing that i'd spent that much time doing it and i knew that i wasn't going to get my other business off the ground if i was distracted and so I, you know what I, I quit cold turkey listening to jazz listening to music hmm. playing I, I was still kind of still playing full-time at the time because i was a little bit of crossover time there um and i and i would learn the tunes i needed to go to the gigs do the shows and things like that but then i wouldn't play uh anything else during the day i wouldn't practice jazz i wouldn't play jazz i wouldn't even listen to it and so I went for a few years where I just wasn't listening. And it wasn't until about two or three years ago I started listening to stuff again, kind of opened that part of my life back mm-hmm. up again and started playing more again. And I've got a, uh, like I've got a, a flautist, jazz flute player here in Vegas. It's one of my best friends. And we'll get together and play maybe once a week or something like that. And maybe go out and do a gig every once in a while. Hmm. And I do try and play even if it's just an hour every day, just, you know, I don't practice anything. I just play tunes, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. That's cool. Yeah. Do, do, do you play mostly jazz or do you play other genres too? Or is it That's really, uh, when I was working commercially, man, you play everything, you know, yeah. <laughs> from like yeah. heavy metal to, you know, classic rock to uh, d- dance medleys. And mm-hmm. when, I, when I first got to Vegas, it was all dance medleys and was a lot of choreography. And man, that mm. keeps you in good shape. <laughs> oh, but then for for my own self, ever since then, yeah, it's all all I play is jazz. And if oh, I cool. if somebody wants to learn, um, they need to learn jazz because that's all I'm going to teach that kind of yeah. stuff. And, oh, cool. Yeah, and yeah, um, cool. I my you know favorite players are like uh, Bird, you know Charlie yep. Parker and Miles, sure. Miles uh, yeah. Evans. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm not as inspired by guitar players. The modern guys, not so much. Or? Um, I went through a phase in the '80s when I remember when I was going to school and I was listening to Mike Stern and yep. uh, Schofield, you know, and the sure. New Miles stuff. Um, and yeah, I was really into that kind of stuff, Michael Brecker, mm-hmm. uh, all that kind of stuff. But then, yeah, anymore, it's like, like I said, Charlie Parker, uh, uh, Coleman Hawkins. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, Ben Webster. <laughs> you know, right. I like Joe Pass. He's, I think, oh, yeah. a, a brilliant musician. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ella Fitzgerald. I love the singers. I love um, Billie Holiday, all mm-hmm. that stuff. 
Right. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Paul Desmond. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, Basically, everybody who's who's dead now. Yeah. <laughs> Same with photography, right? I love, right. I love yeah. photography. <laughs> that kind of uh, right. Their prime and and. Uh, and same with same with the music I like everything right. kind of from this uh, that mid twentieth century. Yeah, it was, it's a pretty cool time. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, for sure. How about yourself? What what kind of stuff do you like to listen to? You know, kind of. Yeah, I'm pretty broad, so I like to um, all kinds of jazz. Um, so Schofield, that for a while I was really into. Yeah, um, yeah. From, yeah um, there's yeah there, there's so many there's some cool modern players that i other modern players that i um that i'm just blanking the names off right now but but there's some some really good guys and yeah but i, I also do you know rock and and some yeah country yeah, sometimes and i for example i like johnny cash's his really late work you know that yeah. he did with, with I think with Dan Rubin when he did his um, the American series, I think that was kind of cool, very intimate. Um, I, yeah, no, that, I, that I, whole I series it. is. If and I'm not a big country person really, but that whole sure. series is. I think he did Hurt was a famous cover. He did a lot of covers, and it's just such a one. It's just amazing with his voice, and then it's very intimate, and and you know it's him on the guitar, maybe a piano, yeah. very very. Um, it's just really i think it's very captivating to me um, I, but i do i love i love the old country that more soulful kind of stuff yeah, like that yeah and willie nelson and um it's so I, and i love i love stuff from rock i love i love funk i love funk right. i like <laughs> funk too yeah <laughs> So cool. I, I love everything, but as far as what anything I play anymore, it's pretty <laughs> straight ahead standards. Right. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So, so I have one last question, and then um, because I probably have to let you go. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> cool. But um, so back to film. I'm kind of curious, and I know you you like different film stocks, and now some of the color. But what's your favorite film stock at the moment? Um, Man, I, I shot uh, Fujifilm, you know, Neil Penn, uh, Acros, 100 speed film, pushed to 400. I don't think I've ever shot it at 100. I just pushed it to 400 one day just to see, you know, what, what it would do. And because a lot of times I, sh I shoot in low light situations, so I don't really want to go much lower than 400. And that film, oh man. <laughs> Before that, I, I, I started off shooting Tri-X and did some HP uh, 5. And all that was cool. I was just excited about shooting film. I loved it all. But then I, I saw the scans when I was scanning the uh, Acros negatives. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm bringing, I'd scan them and then brought them into Lightroom. I'm like, this is different. <laughs> this has a, such a different look. And it was so rich and beautiful, these silky blacks and smooth highlights and Mm -hmm. and just beautiful, especially pushed to 400 because it gives it, gives it a little bit more, more contrast. And um, so now I do love that. I fell in love with it. I didn't shoot anything else for a couple of years and then it went away. Right. <laughs> so I started trying a bunch of different kinds of film and that was kind of a fun period, but I kind of ended up coming back to Triax. Triax is just that, <laughs> that just, you know, classic mm -hmm. film, punchy black. I like the, the way the grain looks. I've, I've always wanted to love Ilford film more because mm -hmm. They're such a dedicated black and white film company. They are. I yeah. want to support these guys any way I can. But I just, I like the uh, Kodak 
look of the grain better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mostly now these days, if I'm shooting black and white, if it's really stuff that I want it to look really beautiful and pretty, then I'll shoot with Acros. Hmm. Everything okay. else is kind of going to be Tri-X. Right. And um, I've got some, uh, what is it here? I can't find it. Oh, the P30. I'm from Film Franya. Oh, the Ferrani, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I tried I about okay. that. Okay, I haven't shot it yet, mm. and um, so I'll, I'll try that. But you know what, man? I think I'm for black and white. It'll be probably Triax most of the time, and then mm-hmm. Acros for times <laughs> special cool. events, and then for color, that world is just kind of starting for me. So mm-hmm. right now, I'm enamored with the look that I'm getting <laughs> from. And it looks a little messed up even, but that's why I like it that's from Hector. Cool. And I'm sure that's my fault. It's, it's a <laughs> Kodak knows what they're doing. Right. It's me who's making it a little bit uh, creative, right. I guess. Right. Yeah, it is a little more temperature sensitive, I suppose, with the color. You know, you got to be ready. During the development process, you have to be right on, I think. Otherwise, that's, yeah, I've heard up. that. Yeah. I, and what, like, because of like the. Uh, instructions that i watched on different youtube videos everybody talked about because of the c i got the c41 unicolor i think i got it from oh sure yeah project okay and um i you know everybody's saying mix the stuff at 110 fahrenheit and that's kind of where i stopped listening i guess because no. <laughs> after that they say develop your film at 102 right fahrenheit. Well, I mixed it, got it to 110. I had all my chemicals at 110. So, yeah, man, let's get into it. <laughs> you know, mm. I just poured the developer in, and I'm sure I probably cooked. That was that first roll of film that I found in that uh, Nikkor Matt camera that was gifted yeah, to me. Right. And it just, yeah, that came out really bad. It came out really <laughs> bad. Plus, with black and white, I would always use um, PhotoFlow. I uh, mm-hmm. uh, a little rinse there at the end. Yep. And all the videos I saw on developing color film, nobody said anything about um, photo flow. And that's one thing that I saw in that very first roll of film that I kind of, yeah, just messed up is there was just tons of water and drops mm-hmm. and everything like that. And I thought, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go ahead and try some photo flow at the end of this. And that took away all the, all the water drops. The water, stuff, so. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm in the oh, learning very cool. process. Very cool. Very cool. What kind of film do you like? Oh, um, yeah, I, so when I started really getting back into the film was about a year ago, pretty intense. I've been pretty exclusive film now for a year, but, um, I, I've been experimenting a lot too. And, and so I tried the, you know, like you, the HP five, um, I'm the Delta, the Delta, I like quite a bit from Ilford. That's pretty cool. I tried some of the Roly films, uh, that, They're pretty cool, um, but I, I kind of go back like you right now. I'm actually at Triax, so that's what I shoot mostly these days is Triax, and then for color, just Kodak Portra 400. I keep it really simple. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like everybody loves Portra. Yeah, I think the port. I I tried some of the more budget films, but I I was not happy with the colors, and I I, I decided I'm not developing color at home. I only do black and white at home. It's just kind of what i do these days but <laughs> yeah hey man get into um color developing yeah. color. i, yeah, I, I put I it off for so long yeah and maybe, it's, maybe it's, I maybe it's even easier than black and white right because right. it's a lot it takes a lot less time right right <laughs> so do yeah. it man. Yeah, i know <laughs> cool 
This is Daniel Sick, and you listen to the Create Photography Podcast. Our guest today was Ted Vieira. Ted's website is tafphotography.com. You can find links to Ted's website, YouTube channel, and podcast Photography Matters in the show notes. Today's episode show notes can be found at danielsickphotography.com forward slash Ted, T-E-D. Ted, thanks again so much for being here today. It was really a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed talking to you. Hey, thank you very much, Daniel. I appreciate being here in any time, man. Thank you.